Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that likes it spooky. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're sending in more sound engineers as we take a trip back to re-record and talk the return of the Living Dead soundtrack. But before we get into that, let me remind you we're part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. And you can find all of our episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your pot-ell. So indeed, we are taking a trip back to the well, if you will. Mm-hmm. As you all know, once a month, we do a segment called What's the Score? Yep. Where we kick back and listen to some of our favorite horror scores and soundtracks. And we've been doing it for a little while. And kind of much like anything else we do on the podcast, we learn as we go along. Yes. <laughs> Growing pains. I would, I'd like to think that we do take, you know, the time to look back and see what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And obviously from the get go, our love of horror scores and soundtracks kind of fuel our desire to listen to them. And we're like, well, why can't we just do that for episodes? Right. So back in the day, we were literally just pointing the microphone at a speaker from afar. And I just assumed the listener on their behalf would turn up their end. Which is just so presumptuous. <laughs> Such arrogance. <laughs> Such insolence. <laughs> Until I finally realized that, well, hey, they're genius. Not you, genius, but me. <laughs> Why don't we just put everything close together? And voila, and we had... What's the score? What's this? Truly, what's the score? Right. So we realized that back in the day, we've got several episodes that are just horrible sound quality. That the minute we start listening to the scores and the soundtracks, the... the the volume drops out. It's 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 insulting. Right. And so we are here now to rectify the error of our ways and like any good zombie come back from the grave. We we stronger. we listened to your calls. We threw we had a one eight hundred number that we you could put out if you ran into an issue. I had Bill for dinner or for lunch. <laughs> crap. <laughs> All of it's crap. <laughs> but we realized we really need to go back and re-record those because number one, the music itself, these scores and soundtracks are phenomenal. And so, yeah. so it's always a good just chance to revisit those. Right. Plus, like, seriously, who hears a song just once? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Especially if you like it. So why not? And then secondly, it's just another opportunity to do for us to kick back these films listen and listen to tunes. Exactly. Exactly. Why? It's so nice. We're doing it twice. Indeed we are. And as we do every time, we do this once a month. There are some podcasts out there that do this on a weekly basis. Make sure you're checking out any of the shows from the Damn Fine Network. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're listening to the Scored to Death podcast and also the From and Inspired by podcast. There are a number yep. out there. Make sure you're going out checking them out. Uh, but then while you're here, kick back and listen to a few with us. Exactly. And 
I've talked about it many a times. Whenever I talk about this score, the thing that we do here with what's the score is obviously we listen to everything in studio mm-hmm. from the record player. Right. So we're not dropping anything digitally. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but we are limiting ourselves to what we have. And which is why we're kind of going back to the well on this one. <laughs> I won't lie. But also I get a chance to re- go and revisit a lot of these films. But just this is a f- score. This is a soundtrack. And I actually, the one thing that really takes away from the soundtrack is it doesn't include that lovely little march we get at the beginning. The death march. It's not on the soundtrack, which is a bummer. Which is a super bummer because that's a very It actually scares me a little. It is because it's like that... It's an impending doom march. Mm-hmm. You know something bad is going to happen. It's and it's scary, and it's got that like weird theremin sounding, come almost harkening back to the old school, you know. So yeah, it's a very, it's a very playfully scary mm-hmm. song, and that works really well with the theme of the film. This is a film that is basically a kind of a a friend defining film for us yep <laughs> in many ways the very first uh podcast we ever ho- guest hosted hosted we talked about return of the living dead Linnea mm-hmm. quickly uh, and it just cemented our friendship because we like it spooky t- it's a way of life <laughs> this is no accident and ultimately the one thing that always comes out is just the the wonderfulness of the soundtrack and the fact that it is a representation back in 85 of this of youth right punk culture this new punk thing because until then all you learned about it was fucking quincy yeah. so- <laughs> when courtney love went down in the mosh pit <laughs> that's all the psa i needed i realized well that's the other thing is the punkers kind of reminded me of street toughs yeah so initially back in 85 they would have probably scared me more than the zombies would mm-hmm. have just as <laughs> an intimidating presence as they are but the one thing that always does stick out is the soundtrack and it's an introduction for many a people into such iconic bands as the cramps mm-hmm. you know and i think actually my first introduction to the cramps was not return of the living dead but a film from the very year of 1985 but back to the beach yes because the kid is wearing a cramps back patch <laughs> the bad music for bad people and it's that iconic yellow cover that i was much like heavy metal covers they draw you in and then when you hear the music behind it, it wasn't what I was expecting. Right. This spooky rockabilly. And that's the beauty of the soundtrack as well. Is there's a lot of cool, diverse tracks on there. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to kick everything off with the cramps and their rendition of Surf and Dead. And when we come back, we'll talk a bit and get more about our love of Return of the Living Dead. Yes. Oh, Dad's and Grandma. 
and then <laughs> but you dig the cramps i dig the cramps uh, because they they're um one thing i like about uh, especially the cramps and S- rockabilly and, S- and scott too you can't help but have a good time when you're listening it's infectious yeah so the cramps have always been like just like especially with rockabilly something that's just like it's just good stuff well you mentioned before you said something off mic that it was technically you saw them on beavis and butthead yeah they were on beavis and butthead one time and like well it's the cramps right so you know if they're, yeah, they're good like, enough for beavis and butthead then they have to be good enough for it. that's I, and i like that like you were talking earlier about like introducing it and like return of living dead and beavis and but and all those great things introduced people to cool stuff like that and that's why i'm glad we have things like this in our budding friendship and all that good stuff we had on this it's really weird tangential peripheral yeah. things that all come back yeah. together and quite honestly even when this particular song is going on in the film that's a lot of going back and forth yeah between the office space the uh, the the graveyard itself you're setting up stories and all the different characters and stuff it's really it's a good scene it w- plays well into the movie and it does and it's one of those things i think that does enhance the scene exactly but doesn't take away from it mm-hmm. and that's the beauty and i think the balance of when you find a good soundtrack and songs that play over certain scenes yeah there's something to be said for that as well it's not necessarily just compiling certain songs it's just how do they work within the context of the film and as you said i think everything in here works just so well yeah and it's and as you said, it introduces you to a larger world. Exactly. It's like instead of a lightsaber, just you know, here's some cool rockabilly. Right. And when you see the cramps for the first time, they are such a visual band. Yeah. And they're just so much fun and horror influenced. Uh, I remember hearing the Goo Goo Muck for the first time, and it was just such a cool. And they also felt kind of naughty, just with the skin tight vinyl, mm-hmm. just kind of like a little dirty. Because I mean, it was kind of dirty. It's like much like Return of the Living Dead yes, itself. Yes. And that's why I think they mesh and work just in partner. So very well. Exactly. Well, from one iconic song to another, genius always got to ask the question, what comes before part B? Part A! And our next song is probably the one that is most connected to the soundtrack, and mm-hmm. for a good reason. When this song kicks in, it's it's asking a simple question. <laughs> it's, it's assuming you're going to answer yes. Right. Uh, we are going to listen to 45 Graves, Party Time, Zombie Version. Yes. I do indeed want a party. I am ready.
I love how that is in the film accentuated with the skeleton with the eyeballs asking the question. Just that visual image of that skeleton. Do you want to party? And I'm like, yes, I do. All over again. Yes, I do. <laughs> Spoilers. So to speak, this is our return to Return of the Living Dead, right. so that's appropriate. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that's just so finely attuned yeah. regarding the, the almost, the, dare I say, the horror synergy of this song and that moment. Right. Because it's, it's just great. It's just the skeleton is asking you, do you want a party? It's it's lovely. It fits the spirit of the film because this is a definitely, and we've talked about before, the the difficulty of mixing genres in this case a horror comedy right and how this is one of those films that deftly balances it so well Mm -hmm. and perfectly and in 1985 you also get fright night which is another horror comedy that that balances everything so well but with return of the living dead it's a darker comedy it's a meaner comedy it's not comedy like lightheartedness it's well dour comedy and you compare it to day of the dead which came out the same year which is another dour zombie film but with return you have so much more fun but ultimately they're both very as you they both end with the worst in humanity yeah not happy endings no but it balances with the merriment so well you have this apocalypse zombie apocalypse and comedy but it just works and it's and nobody is trying to be funny. No, no. I think a lot of people, and for us, you know, we are huge fans of James Karen. Yeah. And just, <laughs> that's just what their character would do. Nobody's like, oh, doop, 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 you know? It's, Frank experiences so much pathos yeah. in this film that is unrelenting. And it's so funny, you know, the, the love of this film from the first time I saw it back in the day on VHS to mm-hmm. now is it stayed with me because I initially always identified with the punkers back in the day as a youngster, you know, anti-authority. Yeah. But now as the older I get... You totally recognize with fucking Bert and Ernie and Karen, and you're just like, ah, especially James Karen. It's just... He's so sad. He is. And it's so sad. That kind of segues nicely into our next film, uh, song that we're going to listen to, uh, Rocky Erickson's Burn the Flame, because you talk about pathos. This is the song that overplays, spoiler alert, when Frank kills himself. And this is such a sad scene. Amongst the comedy, amongst the terror, amongst the chaos, you have this legitimate heart-wrenching scene that even probably the hardest of horror fans is like... Man, that's a bummer. Oh man, that's sad. You know, and it's it's sweetly sad too. It's once again, it just it's that squiddly diddly balance. <laughs> oh, what you miss visually? It's the, it's that balance between the humor and the darkness and the sad and the sweet and the horror and the comedy. It just works. And I think Rocky's song plays so much well over it. And yes. It does enhance the scene. Mm-hmm. Let's see what you guys think about this. This is Rocky Erickson's Burn the Flame. Flames burn 
even more touching and sad on like how James Karen decides to go and the fact that this is burn burn the flame and you're just like oh it's interesting how they were able to utilize several songs that basically lay out the yeah. plot of the you get that in party time mm-hmm. with 45 grave and in here it's such a touching sad moment yeah and what always sells it for me is when he takes, he licks his finger, takes off the wedding ring. Puts it on the ignition switch. Yes. Uh, his last, his last moment of humanity. And he's so tender yeah. throughout the entire film, yeah. um, especially with Tom Matthews. There's this moment when they're being checked in by the paramedics and you can just see him patting him as if to reassure him, like, we're going to get through this. Yeah. And it's that, if you go back and listen to our Return of the Living Dead <laughs> commentary track, I dare say it's us uh, waxing James Karen's car for an hour and a half. And and with just justly so. I mean, honestly, everybody everybody did fantastic performances. From top to bottom, the crew in this film, the cast... Clue Gulliger, mm-hmm. this is probably my first introduction to him the same year, also gave us yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. <laughs> and this parakeet. <laughs> Put a damn cherry bomb up its ass. <laughs> and it was my introduction to these great character actors. Um, oh, Don Calfa is <laughs> yeah. another one. And like I said, initially as a young man, you you really are drawn to the punkers, but there was something about the adult characters, and now as an adult myself... Now that we're working stiffs. Yes. Literally like James Karen and Tom Matthews. <laughs> messing with the new people coming right. in. But the uh, then you, you go into the character actors themselves we got with the adults, but then with the punkers. Mm-hmm. With the punkers, we've got some wonderful characters that actually have a lot... Of, there's so many ties to Friday the 13th. Yeah. With this particular film, uh, number one, Tom Matthews, Tommy, Jar- Tommy Jarvis, and part six, you bang um, Miguel Nunez and his damn enchiladas. <laughs> Ooh, 
baby. <laughs> um, part five, obviously. And then um, what's his name? Um, trash. Uh, no, not trash. Suicide. Uh, Mark Venturi. He was in part five. Yeah. He was the one that axed Joey. Oh, yeah. So that was him. There's okay. crazy wow. connective tissue with the Friday the 13th universe. Is, is Return of the Living Dead Paramount? That's a, it should be. <laughs> no, it was always. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to yeah the, the, the exact logo there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the punkers themselves give such personality. Yeah, um, we've got Jewel Shepherd. We've got uh, <laughs> who likes sex and death. <laughs> so fuck off and die. <laughs> but it's always funny because this is definitely 80s punk. Yeah. So dare I say a Hollywood version of punk. So they're all wild. They're, there's like the big mohawks and then the bright colors. And then, then this is something you would have seen maybe in Terminator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you also get some wonderful, good, hardcore punk mu- uh, music in the film as well. And the next one we're going to listen to is a TSOL, Nothing For You. And this is actually our introduction to the punks when they're driving along in Suicide's car. And it gives you so much... Just into who they are, yeah. Why they are together, the the punks they are, and so let's hope you guys listen to this one, enjoy this one. TSOL is nothing for you. You don't have to learn how to use an instrument. So and we can do punk, good, man. Just get up on stage and act like a punk, man. We can do that yeah. shit. This movie gave punks a fair shake because you know the punks like oh, they made them like the heroes of the movie basically you know i mean they could have been vilified a lot you know because at the time the punks were the villains they were always the other yeah yeah this is a nice little change of pace making them like hey there he gets scared too they they have relationships too they're just like you and me yeah, those exactly punk those punk rockers so give those mohawk people a chance well you have to understand probably back in the day when a young greg is watching this from the safety of suburbia <laughs> looking at the oh no that's what happens the downtown areas there's right? street toughs and 
punks and zombies, most importantly. Yeah. But that's what I love about this film is just the level of diversity you get with the, the I guess, dare I say the cast, but the soundtrack in and of itself. Mm-hmm. There's fun. There's the fast punk. There's the party punk, if you yeah. will. There's the uh, sad punk. There's scary punk. There's... Dare I say there's sexy punk. Yes. Uh, because we've, we haven't really talked about our love of one Linnea Quigley. He's saving it for now because thinking about all the different ways there is to do Do you like it spooky, genius? I like it spooky. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Trash is one of our all-time favorite characters, if not, and let's just the creeps of nostalgia. With her Matilda May-esque performance. Uh, Long before the internet, boys and girls, (laughs) cable and films like this, there was a currency to it. You know, I think we were talking earlier in a couple previous episodes about like the introduction of Linnea Quigley. I think this is the one where she announced herself with presence. She's like, I'm Linnea Quigley. Ta-da! This is you what know? I will do. <laughs> right. And any, everything up into her, her delivery, I think, is so spot on. And yeah. that's the one thing I don't think she gets enough credit for as an actor is just realizing, yes, I'm in a B-level movie. This is my character. They're going to be over the top. They're, I love how she actually delivers her lines. And then even when she's not, then she, when she's the, the zombie, when she's coming out of the thing, she is both beautiful and and terrifying at the same time because she's just got this ferocity in her eyes and then when she does that python thing fuck all that noise Uh, we won't get into it but you mentioned kind of her her appearance her resurrection and that's what we're going to listen to uh ssq's tonight we'll make love till we die My question is, uh, is that, I heard an, it's SSQ, is that Stacy Q? Stacy Q, yep. From Two of Hearts, uh, come on, come on. The very yeah. same, that's why it has that lovely poppy punky Yeah, feel. yeah. And it's 
perfect for the scene. And, and if 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 either a burlesque performer or a stripper doesn't use that song for something, they're doing something wrong, right? Because that's perfect. I mean, that just might, get your get the lights over here. She's taking yeah, off her clothes yeah, again. She's doing it again. <laughs> Which is so funny. The fact that it implies that it's just something she does. She does on a yep, on a whim. Like, hey, you want to go to the graveyard? Sure. I like it. Yeah, is trash going to be there? Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm there. Cool. Cool. Why not? Cool. You know, if you're going to have a party, she's there. This is bound, this is bound to happen. To happen. <laughs> and I think uh, Miguel Nunez has just the greatest reaction. Like, yeah. <laughs> as we all did. But as you mentioned, though, when she comes back and yeah. the next track we're going to listen to is Trash's theme by Stacey Q, which is basically taking what we just heard but making it a little bit more sinister mm-hmm. and a little bit more sexy as well yeah because as you said i think this is probably the first bit of like cognitive dissonance i ever experienced as a young man uh but let's just see how it plays again the sexier side of nightmare junkhead <laughs> <laughs> That is some creepy shit. It's the Python effect. Yeah. That is truly terrifying. And that's the other thing I don't think this film gets enough credit for is it is there are really scary parts to the movie. Mm-hmm. From the fact that when you experience the first time the little person that's in the zombie film that's munching on the brains yeah, and, and he does that little wallow. At you, yeah. That elicited such a scare in me because it was a truly practical effect. I think that's the guy that did the work in Poltergeist 2 as well. Mm-hmm, as the little like tequila monster. And I love the fact that he... It, he gets work. Hells yeah, he does. Yeah. And he's one, of those, he's one of those people that truly proves that, man, you know, you can't go... There's, that's that's truly special. That this, you yeah, know, you know, if you try to make that a CGI thing, it doesn't no. work. Yeah, practical. So uh, now I think it's interesting that those tracks finish off the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack because they definitely again are the softer, sexier side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna go out with one more entry, not from the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack though. Mention another film from 1985, Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And if you go back, you talk about all-time favorite horror scores. Most people with the Dawn of the Dead sound the score with Goblin. Mm-hmm. 
that's one of the no-brainers, obviously. Right. Now, when he did the sequel with Day, uh, Goblin didn't come with him. Uh, we, he brought in John Harrison, who previously scored Creepshow yes. with George Romero, which... That's another one I think we're going to have to re-record. Yeah, because that's a good one, too. So. And I think that one we record horribly, uh, which is always a good excuse. But what we're going to listen to here is the Dead Suite, or a little bit of it, because it's a 19-minute long track. Uh, <laughs> but this is John Harrison's score for Day of the Dead, which is a real strong contrast to Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes. it's an interesting story, as apparently he scored everything according to George A. George a. Romero's original script, which was crazy epic. Uh, also has that definite um, Jamaican vibe to it, which uh-huh. is, uh, gives it a little bit more of an exotic feel. I'm a huge fan of this particular one. What yeah, about you? Me too. I think any. I think the music, when it works with the zombie film, especially in the Dead series and Little Return of the Living Dead, just enhances it. It just gives it that much more. And this is one of those great scores too. So we're going to sign off here with John Harrison's The Dead Suite and a... Uh, uh, shall we end on this particular one, or shall we come back and then go out with the gonk? Mm, let's go out with the gonk. Okay, so we're going to listen to a little bit of Jonathan Harrison's The Dead Suite. Thank you. 
interesting to hear two distinctly different takes on the zombie genre and two distinctly different takes in a film's about the zombie genre. It kind of shows you the glorious time that 85 was mm-hmm. regarding the horror genre and what you could get with two different, totally different zombie films. And listening to it, I tried to I, I tried to put that song where in the Return of the Living Dead and vice versa, and it would be totally insane. And that just shows the power of how important the music is to the individual movies, setting it up. And it, like literally on these two, they become characters all of their own. And that's truly what you get when you get a good score or soundtrack, when it can separate it, not even so much separate it from itself, but in, like you said, enhances, becomes that second character mm-hmm. that doesn't take away from the film, but just totally elevates it. Yes. And we're very fortunate to have this in-house. Um, and these are always fun to listen to. In fact, I even remember I was going back in the day, they were releasing a John Coltrane CD it was a, a Love Supreme deluxe version. It had all these like live tracks, alternate takes. And the day I went in for it, they started playing uh, this track from the Gorillas. I found out. But they sampled a lot of the Day of the Dead. The hello, hello, the dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And immediately I was like, this is Day of the Dead. And I was like, what is this from? And the Gorillas was like, I got to check out these guys, the Gorillas, because they tapped into a wonderful bit of sampling but also just showing that horror, this, these scores and soundtracks, they they really go farther further than you might think. Right. And they become something else and something different to everybody else. Like you said, the gorillas are like, this is great. This will work for this. And it's interesting to see. And it's very, very cool. It is. It is. And it's like why, why we like to do this at least once a month. But again, make sure you're checking out the Damn Fine Network, the uh, Scored to Death, and from an Inspired By. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure you're also, you know, whether it is digital downloads, make sure you're doing it legally, guys. Yes. Please, gang, let's make sure the artists are getting the money. Pirates are going to walk the plank. <laughs> you don't want to be coming back from that. No, uh, so. Final thoughts on Return of the Living Dead, Genius. Oh, I'm always ready to party. All right. So until that time, guys, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. (laughs) 